Uh, Ashley's going to come back up and lead us in our scripture reading this morning. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Back in um, spring of 2017, Gina and I went on a trip to the Black Hills. First time I've ever been to the Black Hills and was really excited to go hiking. And we're traveling from one area of the Black Hills to another and we were really excited to go to uh, Mount Rushmore and what's called Harney Peak. Harney Peak is the highest point, supposedly, uh, the highest point west uh, or east of the Rockies rather so it was pretty big deal you climb up this big hike and at the very top there's like a tower that they would use to look out for forest fires back in the day and I think maybe they still use such towers I don't know but we were really excited to go up to the top and to go and do that hike and to look out and see just this amazing view that you could see but on our way down to the area, suddenly this huge storm comes and just parks itself literally right on Mount Rushmore for hours and hours, this intense, severe thunderstorm. So our plans were completely disrupted. We couldn't even go into the area, and we found ourselves eating at this random restaurant that wasn't good at all, <laughs> not what we wanted to do on our vacation, but there was nothing we could do. The storm came, and it changed everything. And the most amazing part about this storm was that it actually dumped eight inches of hail. Eight inches of hail all over the entire peak that we were about to climb. So we begin the hike with this hopeful expectation of seeing the view, but right away it was obvious as we went up. Well, first of all, when we woke up the next morning, that there was the thickest fog that I had ever seen. Just everywhere. We couldn't see anything. Couldn't, maybe a half a mile. And we go up and we say, well, surely once we start the hike, 
we'll, we'll be able to see where we're going, and, and it'll clear up eventually. We start the hike, and it's a long hike. I mean, a couple hours it takes to get up to the top. And we start, and we start, and there's nobody else out there <laughs> because it's so foggy, and we're walking on the actual hail pack, if you can believe that. And now all of a sudden there's tons of new obstacles, down trees and branches everywhere, and it's slippery, and it's just kind of cold, and it's super, super windy. So as we got up to the top, we were actually afraid because we couldn't see anything, and the wind was blowing so hard that I actually was afraid that it was going to blow me right off of that, <laughs> right off of the edge. We knew the edge was there, but we couldn't even see it. We're looking out, and all we can see is that fog. And then we thought, as we got up there, how long is it going to be till we get to the bottom? <laughs> now we're exhausted, we're disappointed, everything has changed, and we're not sure if we're going to be able to do any of it again, because uh, we actually knew that we were going to be having Peyton in the next fall. This is what loss and suffering is like for us, is it not? A sudden intense storm that comes into our life. We have no control over when it comes or how it comes. It severely alters the hopes and dreams that we have, and it also alters everything in our day-to-day -day life. And as you navigate the journey, suddenly it's filled with all kinds of new obstacles, new terrain, new hazards. And the fog itself is this spiritual and emotional heaviness that completely covers every part of our life, everything along the way. And the future is unclear. The short-term expectations are unclear. Our hope is unclear. And you begin to wonder, how long is this fog going to last? And when we find ourselves in such types of fogs, maybe it's even just the suffering of anxiety and depression of pain, we start to wonder, how long will this last? And will it ever lift? Will I ever be freed of these feelings? And the, the unexpected difficulties of the journey are exhausting, especially intense difficulties and fog after unexpected death or even expected death. We can know that something is coming, but it's still hard to move on and say goodbye. But the more unexpected something is, the more intense the storm and the fog and the obstacles that we face. Isaiah talks about pain and suffering and death, the prophet Isaiah, in a way that is symbolic to this fog that I describe. This fog is similar to what Isaiah calls a shroud. It's like a, a sheet, a blanket. And you notice that Isaiah calls, says it, that it affects all people. That's the one thing that we have in common with every human being that's ever lived or ever will live, including Jesus, is that all humans suffer, grieve, and experience loss and death. And Isaiah himself was experiencing intense suffering. And he ex expressed what he had seen, and he was concerned about the future for God's people, and there was, he had a, a, a great fear of destruction that was going to come for all of God's people. But he utters this prophecy saying that God's anointed one will come. That God is the one to be exalted because of this anointed one who will 
swallow death forever. Forever. And then there will be a future time when God will literally wipe away every tear from every human's eye. And the disgrace that all of us feel in life, shame and sin and guilt, will taken, be all taken away. This was the hope in God's anointed one. And this is the hope, friends, that is now realized in the person of Jesus. That's the foundation of our faith, is that what Isaiah said will happen has happened in the person of Jesus. And if we don't have hope in that, then what do we have hope in? And that Jesus is also the one from whom we have great expectation of this future time when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and our loved one's eyes that there will be no more pain or suffering or death again. This is the hope that's expected. It's, ex- it's expressed twice in the book of Revelation. The first we read at the beginning of worship in chapter 7, and the last we'll read in chapter 21. Jesus is the one who has swallowed up death forever. In our loved ones, anyone who has gone before us in the faith is feasting at this heavenly banquet that Isaiah mentions, that we actually read in our communion liturgy until we feast at your heavenly banquet, is what we say once a month before we take communion. They've realized, our loved ones, that the fog is gone. They can see clearly because they're with Jesus and experiencing peace and joy and hope. And they're You can think of this heavenly banquet as Isaiah describing all the best. He describes all these specific elements of the the heavenly banquet as basically all the best. All the best wine, all the best food, all the best circumstances. That's what they're experiencing. And maybe it's not literal, but maybe it means the most amazing peace and joy that we've ever felt in our entire lives. But beyond that, that's what they're experiencing And that's what we can look forward to as well. Now the rest of us, we're there looking out on the journey and all we see and feel is the cold, the fog, the the wind. And we see the long journey back down without the person who came up with us. But for us, friends, this is the hope that we find in this text. Is that Jesus is also for us a refuge, a shelter, a shade from the heat. And listen to this, when the blast, when the blast of the ruthless was like a winter rainstorm, the noise of aliens like heat in a dry place, you subdued the heat with the shade of clouds. The song of the ruthless was stilled. Jesus in the book of Mark comes out to uh, the, or he wakes up from the disciples and there's this intense storm happening in his life and he is, shows that he's the one who stills the storms of our life. He says, peace, be still. And even the waves obey Jesus. The disciples are amazed. How can this one, God's messenger, speak peace into our lives? It's because he is who he said he would be. 
we still have to keep going in the storm. Down the mountain, in the fog, the ups and downs of life, tired, burnt out, frustrated, sad, depressed. But we, friends, can do so with a hopeful expectation that Jesus is who He says He is. That what awaits for us is the same as what's awaited for our loved ones. And that we too will one day taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, as we continue on the journey in the fog of life, we can trust that eventually this fog will too clear. And in the meantime, Jesus will help us see how to navigate the terrain of suffering and loss and grief. And when we're tired on the journey, He'll give you the strength through other people to support you and strengthen you and encourage you to walk in the fog with you. Friends, that is the very purpose of the church. is to support one another when we're not strong enough to stand on our own. When the fog of suffering is too intense for us. And that's when someone grabs your hand and says, I'll show you the way. I'll give you strength. The challenge for us is to find meaning in this journey within the fog. And you might say, I know some people think this, that I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to suffering because I've not experienced the suffering and loss that you have. You can believe that if you want. (laughs) But I learn with your perspective in mind, and as I read this book, A Man's Search for Meaning, I too read it from your perspective of Okay, so what about Dave losing a daughter and his wife in the same year? Well, let me read this to you. This is a book by Victor E. Frankel. He was in uh, four different Nazi concentration camps within a three-year period. Can you imagine that? He lost his parents, like they're ripped from him. His brother and his pregnant wife. Do you think this man knows what it means to suffer? And his conclusion from this time in his concentration camps was that no one can avoid suffering. We can't avoid it. We can choose, but we can choose how to cope with it. And so this is what I want to read to you from... uh, He he tells the story of being in this hut that was basically their quarters in one of the concentration camps. And everyone knew that he was a psychologist before the, the war. And so they asked him, they're just, they're, they're experiencing utter hopelessness. You understand? And they turn to him and they say, give us a word of hope. And he even admits, how could I possibly give a word of hope? Because I too was feeling hopeless. So he says this, I decided to then speak of my many opportunities of giving life meaning. I told my comrades who lay motionless, although occasionally a sigh could be heard from them, I told them that human life, under any circumstances, never ceases to have meaning, and that this infinite meaning of life includes suffering and dying, privation and death. I asked the poor creatures who listened to me at attentively in the darkness of the hut to face up to the seriousness of our position. 
They must not lose hope, but should keep their courage in the certainty that the hopelessness of our struggle did not detract from its dignity and its meaning. I said that someone looks, someone looks down on each of us in difficult hours. A friend, a wife, somebody alive or dead, or God. And he would not expect us to disappoint him. He would hope to find us suffering proudly, not miserably, that we would know how to die. He goes on to say, the purpose of my words was to find a full meaning in our life, then and there, in that hut, in that, in that practically hopeless situation. The story is amazing to me. It illustrates this truth that no one can avoid suffering, but we can choose, we can choose how we're going to cope with it. And the very promise of our Christian faith is that what Isaiah says about Jesus, that that's who he is, that Jesus has conquered death, and that Jesus is with us right here and right now, so no matter how dire the circumstances, that we can know that God is with us and for us, that he loves us, that there's hope to be found in walking with Jesus every day in every circumstance. Hard, yes. But that's our life's meaning. Our life's meaning as Christians is through finding, through our experience, that, that Jesus truly is our shelter, our refuge, our rock, in the storms of life, and the one who will one day lift the fog. We put so much effort into not suffering that we don't actually get an opportunity to discover that Jesus is who he says he will be for us. If we avoid suffering, we'll never know him to be our shelter or our rock or our refuge. The next day, as Gina and I left, of course, wouldn't you know it, clear as could be. <laughs> could see for miles and miles and miles, just like the song. As we're going back, we're tired and, and ready to go home. We decide, let's just drive through. I forget the name of the passage, but there's a passage that you can drive through, and there's steep cliffs on every side, and I'm looking like, Gosh, that would have been really neat to see from the peak. You know, that's really what I wanted. And we, could, we got to a point where you could pull off to the side and people would take pictures and we could see Harney's Peak. We could see it way up in the distance, the lookout station at the top. And you know, there was this simultaneous feeling of like, gosh, I really would have liked to see that view, you know? But then there is also this deep sense of peace that I felt where I said, wow, we were there. We were way up there and it was an intense storm. We couldn't even go out onto the lookout because we thought we were going to get blown off. We were there. We could see it and it was scary while we were up there. We were the only ones that were there, but had it not happened... 
that place would have been packed and we wouldn't have had anywhere near the same experience. This is what Isaiah says about Jesus. He says, It will be said on that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him so that he might save us. This is the Lord whom we have waited. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For the hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain. That moment passed for us. We were sad for what we had lost, but as the fog lifted and we saw that shelter, we said we were there, and now we could see the beauty of our experience, and that's exactly what Isaiah is saying. Is that when we cry out to the Lord in our storms of life, when we trust that our loved ones are feasting at a heavenly banquet with all the best beyond our imagination, that then Jesus too can prove to us that He is the one who says to even our souls, peace, be still. We're going to uh, celebrate Holy Communion in a few moments, which is open to everyone. Uh, But first, I'd like us to just sit in silence, and if you just want